This is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 109 is brought to us by Bybit. I've been telling you guys, you can get XRP here, you can trade XRP here, and you can do it seamlessly and quickly, unlike how many people tried to do this this week and got stuck and were scrambling. Yeah, that doesn't have to be you. On top of that, we do have the World Series of Trading coming up. Check the blog uh, more towards the middle of the week, and I should have something up there. They're making a custom page for us. But if you have a really good algorithm, uh, you know, maybe it's not the same money management you're used to using, but shoot your shot. You know, who knows what can happen? But you have to be on my team to play. So I went ahead and put the link down below in the show notes to the blog that takes you to where you need to go. You click on my affiliate link in that blog, and then you get yourself started. Seamless XRP transactions, contest eligibility, and so much more because membership has its rewards. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and this week was very unique, I thought, in terms of news. Now, we don't talk about subjects like this too often, or at least give it its own episode, but I thought this week would have been good just because of the examples that were given to us. Now, every time we hear a piece of financial news that is at least somewhat relevant to us, whether it's positions we hold or positions we're interested in later on, we pass it through our own filter, and then we determine if it's useful or not. Um, So in this episode, I want to give you guys a little more of a glimpse into my own filter, and maybe it will be helpful, maybe it won't, but that's what we're doing. And at the very worst, you know, we can shoot the shit a little bit about the things that happened this week, because it was a very interesting week. Uh, now, before we get into that, um, let me reiterate kind of you know what at least I do here and what I hope a lot of you do as well, because I think it's very important to um, the, the term I coined, I don't know if I coined it or not, but stay out of the mushy middle. You know, if you're going to be a great trader, be a great trader. There's a lot of traders who listen to this podcast. Um, but if you're not going to do that, then be a long-term investor, somebody who has almost unlimited patience because you understand the asymmetrical payoff by doing things this way and surviving through the dips and keeping most news events at arm's length. Because at the end of the day, most of them don't matter. Yet, the people who are stuck in the mushy middle, and this is most people, really, um, especially in crypto, because people are so new, um, you could argue pound for pound, they are more low IQ than TradFi, you know, whatever narrative you want to place on that is fine. Uh, But they are the ones who try to jump in and jump out every time they hear a piece of news that they think is important. And wouldn't you know, it it never turns out right for them in the long term. And I've said it before too, I think a lot of YouTube channels and uh, Twitter and TikTok accounts are responsible for a lot of this. Uh, Ultimately, it's the investor who's responsible. But I can tell you this from the content creator side. When I tell you that some of these people have resigned themselves and really imprisoned themselves into saying, okay, I am going to put out one piece of content every day or every other day, regardless if there's anything to even talk about. Um, So it's, it's not their fault for reporting news, even insignificant news, but it is their fault when they try to put some significance behind it, when they'll say, this is huge or this is really bullish for whatever. Uh, You know, if if everything's bullish, then nothing's bullish. And a lot of your very large legacy crypto 
content creators, for example, are extremely guilty of this. You guys know I don't name names. But anytime you see the words, this is huge on the thumbnail, and you see it more than once a month or so, you know who I'm talking about. I can think of like five off the top of my head. But these guys are doing nothing but pushing numbers. And when you do that, you have to pander to the lowest common denominator. Because as we all know, especially in crypto, that's where they are. You know, from a business standpoint, I get it. From an ethics standpoint, no bueno. But my own virtue signaling aside, um, let me just give you an example of some news events that I don't think are very significant, yet they are often treated as such. So um, uh, crypto partnerships, for example, and we're not just going to talk about crypto today. We're going to spend maybe 30 seconds talking about something, <laughs> something else. But you see a lot of partnerships that crypto companies make with traditional finance companies or you know, large corporations or banks or whatever. Um, but I would say 90% of them are not significant. First of all, if a crypto company is pairing up with another company that you've never heard of, like Algorand just paired up with Wombat Finance, you know, that's not a big deal. You should know that. Uh, and also know if they're pairing up with a bank or something like that, that doesn't mean they signed an exclusivity contract. Meaning, uh, let's just go back to Algorand. If they signed something, some kind of agreement with Saxo Bank, now, that doesn't mean that Saxo Bank can't just go use the Avalanche protocol for something else or develop their own in-house chain. You know, it's uh, the significance is very overrated most of the time with these. Uh, now, there are exceptions, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But um, for the future, whenever you see this, just uh, try to peel one layer deeper and see what's really going on here. Because there are partnerships that are very significant, like we'll talk about, and that is worth noting. That is investment alpha that you are going to want to file away for later. Uh, but just know when it comes to partnerships, most of it is not. Uh, but it may seem that way because usually when news like this does come out, here come all the bag pumpers. And now you have something called social proof because all of them will chime in and they will tell you how big a news this is. And then they will get a bunch of hearts or likes or whatever. And then our little monkey brains see this and we're like, oh, this must be a big deal. Look how many people are agreeing that this is a big deal, when really all they're doing is just pumping their bags. You know, the art of bag pumping is something everybody should be aware of, and if you want a really good crash course on it, just go study the NFT boom of 2021. Look at meme coin season. You know, we just had one, a mini one. But anyway, moving on to another piece of very insignificant news, and this happens in TradFi, not just crypto. But this particular person has crossed over into both, and they get so much fanfare every time they decide to invest in something. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably already know that person is Kathy Wood of ARK Invest. This woman has been the Grim Reaper of finance. I guess the Grim Reapress of finance for the better part of this decade. Yet every time she gets into anything... The whole world is like, oh, yay, Kathy Wood's in it. N no, <laughs> this is the last person you want in to your sector. She is a sector killer. And she just recently bought shares of Cameco. And then it's like, it's like the movie Groundhog Day. You know, the people in that sector reacted the same way people in every other sector react when she gets into something. It's like, hey, guys, 
Kathy Wood and ARK Invest just bought shares of a uranium company. The number one sector killer of the 2020s just bought shares in a uranium company. Everybody dance around and celebrate now. It's like when she came to the Bitcoin conference last year, like, hey, everybody, Kathy Wood's coming to the Bitcoin conference. Isn't that great? Don't you want to come to it now? I'm like, no, I want to sell all my Bitcoin. (laughs) Now, please understand, this is not a personal attack, believe it or not. I'm going purely on results here. Kathy has done some great things. She has at least four ETFs out there, probably more. You know, how many do we have? And I'm sure being a female, she got a lot of crap along the way that was undeserved. But speaking of which, I wrote a blog a couple months ago, I think, that uh, talked about somebody who gets a lot of crap for being wrong, and that is Jim Cramer. Um, Now, Jim Cramer is a very easy target because of his personality, I think. Um, You know, the Jim Cramers, Guy Fieri's, Bit Boys of the world, you know, people are just sitting back waiting for them to slip up in any way so they can come out of the bushes and pile on. And that's what they do. But if you read that blog, you'll actually find that, you know, when Kramer gets something wrong, he gets it really wrong sometimes. But if you were to invest in the ETF that was specifically set up to trade against him, you wouldn't have done that well. Conversely, if you would have invested in the ETF that is set up to fade Kathy Wood's selections, you would have done well up until the very beginning of this year. So if you would have had very good timing and invested back in 2019 when nobody had heard of this yet, or if you would have taken money and put it into an ARK Invest product at the beginning of this year, which I don't know who was doing that, you would have done well. Any other time, you would have gotten wrecked. I did a a Google Trends search for Kathy Wood and for ARK Invest, and people really started to hear of her and her products towards the end of 2020. And then things peaked in early 2021, and then they stayed pretty strong after that. Then I also went to Yahoo Finance and did a five-year search of all of Kathy's products. And when you do that, you will see that most people got absolutely wrecked. If you had invested in her products back in 2018 when the five-year chart began, you really wouldn't be any higher or lower than you would have been to begin with. So either you would have gotten wrecked, or gotten nowhere during a time where tech, which is the main thing she focuses on, has gone absolutely bananas. I mean, that's really hard to pull off. You know, maybe she'll kill it in the future, I don't know, but recently, and really for the last five years, it's been bad. Yet it's the same story, the opposite story of what it should be when she comes into your sector. So I guess the moral of this story is just do a little bit of research when things like this happen, you know, if Stanley Druckenmiller or Paul Tudor Jones comes into your sector, okay, that's probably a reason to celebrate. And if you did a little bit of research, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But Kathy Wood, yikes. Uh, and again, this isn't anything against her. She's just doing what she thinks is best for her company. It's me talking about the reaction I see from people whenever she enters a sector. <laughs> it should be the opposite. Yet this is not what we see from industry people, mind you, who should know better. But okay, rant over. Uh, let's get into some, some good examples because we had some of those this week. And let's start with the XRP verdict. XRP is a crypto token we hold here at the channel. And uh, we did a whole dedicated episode on it, episode 53, if I recall, if you want to go back there. 
or just read the blog that we put out on Thursday, which everybody should be doing. Um, but we felt that the reward was certainly worth the risk because we thought the risk was very overblown because we felt like they had a good chance of winning this case. And not only did they, um, but the judge uh, pretty much did what everybody in the judicial system in the United States has been doing to the SEC and just completely roasted the SEC for bringing this nonsensical case to light in the first place. It was a landslide victory. Now, this is still probably going to go to the Court of Appeals. Um, I don't know that for sure. Like, they really got crushed here. Uh, But as we talked about before, they have an agenda. They are putting their full weight behind it. And they only have so much time left to execute it. So this probably will go to the Court of Appeals, but it's probably going to take a very long time before that happens. And then the actual case has to play out. And we saw how long this last case took to play out. So that could take years, and we may have all exited our positions by then. Um, But do understand that these things matter a lot because precedents matter a lot. Legal precedents are very important, and the crypto industry barely has one they can lean on that's actually in their favor. Most of the ones that are currently existing right now are working against us, like the library case, uh, like the Howey test. So not only did this give us a precedent that we so desperately needed, it also made a mockery out of the SEC. And these things set up the entire crypto industry for success moving forward. Because as we also talked about in a previous episode, one of the biggest bear cases for crypto is that the United States is coming after the entire sector. And spoiler alert, they're coming for DeFi next. And also, spoiler alert, they have probably learned a few things from this trial, mainly what not to do. So don't just think every case they put against a crypto company going forward is going to be like the one they put up against XRP. You know, they've learned. I would expect the ones in the future to be closer to what we've seen come forward against Binance, um, to where there's some pretty damning evidence there. And these cases have yet to even begin, so let's not, like I said in in the blog... Pop the champagne cork, but just drink one glass. And by the way, if you're a contrarian investor, get used to never drinking the full bottle of champagne. <laughs> you know, this game is never really over. There will never be like a real time to sit back and declare victory because there are always new opportunities around the corner. So as soon as one game ends, a new game begins. But anyway, we saw XRP get a nice bid. Um, Now, not as big of a bid as I thought, and I wrote about this in the blog. If any of you guys missed out on XRP, and now that we know the result of this case, you still want in. Uh, You can still get in at these prices, in my opinion, not financial advice. I even said, I said, watch for pullbacks, you know, because think about this too. We talked about those people in the mushy middle. A lot of those people aren't in crypto anymore because they ran out of money and they ran out of motivation. So who's left? You have the skilled traders and then you have the long-term investors. Now, the long-term investors, if they were in the XRP camp like us, they were probably already in the market. So they didn't need to participate. And then traders do what traders do and they enter the market and then at some point they take profit either all or some. And so that's the explanation of why I think we saw what we saw in XRP. If this thing would have spiked up to 
$2.50, I would have not been surprised. Uh, but it's sitting at about $0.72 cents right now, which is not even a double from where it started before we knew the results of this case. That's crazy to me. Um, but I understand why. And I think this little phenomenon works really well to our advantage if you want to enter a position or if you want to add to a position. Now, as I ramble on, let's uh, also go into what I said we would talk about um, before, and that is the difference between, I don't want to say bad partnerships, but ineffective partnerships and effective partnerships in the crypto world especially. When Polygon paired up with Nike and with Disney, uh, those are obviously two very big companies, but I sat back and I said, okay, let's wait and see if these companies actually start using the Polygon Layer 2 blockchain to do stuff. And they have already, which is really interesting. You know, this way we know that they are serious about this going forward. You know, both of these companies really badly want to have an NFT presence. They want to have a metaverse presence. And it looks like Polygon is going to be the conduit to which this occurs. This is actually huge, in my opinion. So if you're ever wondering if these partnerships are significant or not, maybe you can come back to this episode and use the two examples I gave you and then decide for yourself. And finally, on the last piece of really significant news, uh, Alex Mashinsky, the uh, mastermind behind Celsius, has finally been put in jail and his future does not look bright at all. Um, this entire decade has been filled with people committing very obvious crimes Yet somehow, uh, very strangely, uh, they're all getting away with it. And this can be very infuriating. If we just take it to the crypto space, uh, we see all of so many criminals still walking around. Like SBF is still free. Uh, Do Kwan for a long time was walking around free. Uh, Mashinsky. You know, for the longest time, you know, people were committing ma crimes on a major scale and still walking around free. Now, you have to understand the legal system takes time to play out. And if you are going to the legal system and saying, hey, look at what Alex Mashinsky just did. This is a crime. They're not going to know exactly what you're talking about because they don't understand the blockchain and how this whole brand new financial system even works, much less if they have enough to convict somebody. So you do have to be patient with them. I understand that. Um, but even on a smaller scale, you saw so many, you know, pump and dumps and rug pulls and NFT scams. And the majority of these people walked away not only free, but a lot wealthier than they were previously. The SEC, who is supposedly there to protect us, is letting all of these people go free, yet they're going after Coinbase. It's absurd. And what message does this send to people going forward? What it says is if you want to scam people, especially in this industry, you have the green light to do so. Now, overall, is this good for our industry or is it bad? It's obviously terrible. We've all talked about how we want that new money to come in. This new money is not going to come in if they think they're going to get scammed. But when these high-profile criminals finally get what's coming to them, this sends a message to all the future scammers of the world that the tide is turning. You know, scammers are like anybody else. They weigh out the risk and the reward when it comes to doing something like this. And the risk is now slowly getting riskier. This is called a deterrent, and deterrents are good. So not only does it make everybody feel warm and fuzzy inside when people like this go to jail, 
likely for a very long time. This is also very bullish long-term for an industry that is still very new and is still, as a result, riddled with criminals. Now, you might be sitting back and saying, well, the fiat system is riddled with criminals too. Yeah, but not to the point to where people are skeptical of using the fiat system for fear that they might get scammed. The crypto industry, not so much. And we need to work to eliminate that stigma, and this is a great start. Put all of those people in jail, give them a fair trial, and let the justice system play out like it's supposed to. But now that we've kind of approached the 20-minute mark here, I want to thank everybody for joining me here on episode 109 of the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. Didn't really have a direction, didn't even really have an end point, but I hope it was entertaining, if not informational. Uh, And I'm sure you probably have some different opinions on this. So if you're listening to this on the YouTubes, comment down below what you think about things like this. You know, what, what you feel is significant, what you feel is not significant, but still gets treated like it is. I would like to hear your thoughts. And as always, for those of you listening to us on the podcast players, come over to YouTube, click on this video, give us a heart, and tell us what you think down below as well. This is VP signing off, and if this week has taught us anything, and if this episode has taught us anything, is that yes, I am crazy, but I am also early. <laughs>